You ever notice how easy it is to go down into a valley? Like, like coming out of it is, is a little bit tougher, right? It's a little bit, a little bit harder to do. But to get into a valley, I mean, that valley, that's, that's gravity, right? That's expected. That's, that's easy. Now, coming out, like, it, it's an uphill battle on all sides. It's a little more challenging. My grandfather, he used to tell me that he used to walk to school uphill both ways in the snow. You guys ever hear that? Which leads me to believe that his school was in some sort of weird valley in Canada, which is probably the worst kind of valley. Like valleys are easy to get into, but they're a lot harder to climb out of. And valleys, they're not just this physical thing, right? Like, they're emotional, they're mental, they're, they're spiritual. Because we're not going to high point life all the time, right? Like, like, life isn't just fairy tales in Instagram moments. There's challenges, there's difficulties, there's struggles. And maybe I just described your 2022. Right, where, where 2022 felt like a deep valley or a wilderness or a challenge or a storm, where you're like, man, like, I don't even see the way out of this thing. And even if not, even if 2022 was great, this concept of valleys is not foreign. See, valley walking is a part of Jesus following, right? If we're following Jesus, we're going to walk through some valleys. It's not, it's not a surprise to us. We know it's going to happen. In fact, it's what Jesus experienced too. He wasn't without wildernesses in deserts and valleys. Jesus was led into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil, and who led him there? That's the crazy part. Who led Jesus to the wilderness? The Holy Spirit. Because valleys are a part of God's geography. Like, it's not a surprise. It's not just circumstance. It's an expectation. It's a process that we are invited into as God invites us into his plan for our lives. And I bring that up even at the start of this, this conversation about valleys because it's so important for us to realize that, sure, some valleys are a consequence, but a lot of times valleys are a part of faithful people following God to where he calls us to be. And sometimes God is going to call us to the valley. And some of you have felt that real big this week. Right, some of you have, have spent Christmas where you're, you're without a loved one or maybe without your kids for the first time because they're with somebody else this year. Or maybe you're like, man, I don't know how I'm going to make finances, really, just how am I going to make ends meet or my job? I don't even enjoy it anymore. Or these relationships that I have, they're just a struggle. Honestly, everything in my life right now feels like a valley. And God, I don't know how to get out. I don't know where you are. What are you even doing? And here's what we need to know as we navigate the valley together today. God doesn't waste a valley. Like, God doesn't waste a valley. Not only that, but I would contend that Jesus does some of his best work in the valley. So let's see what that looks like. If you have your Bibles, I want to invite you to open up to Psalm chapter 42. And as you get there, I'm Josh. I'm the director of Next Gen Ministries here at SciLife Church. Uh, and uh, welcome. Like, thank you for showing up. It's January 1st. You guys were up until midnight um, some of you, like me, you woke up in Vietnam and you were like, man, I'm under attack. Like, what is happening? And, and you're like, man, like, this is, it's 1 a.m. Why are, how, how are they not out of fireworks yet? I don't know. Um, I do not know. But you're here. And so thank you for showing up. Thank you for tuning in online. We love getting to have these conversations with you as we navigate what it looks like to be disciples of Christ. 
And where we, we pick up in Psalm 42, uh, a lot of scholars believe, it's, it's not 100% sure, but a lot of scholars, scholars believe that this was written by David. And if you don't know David, David is this guy who was after God's own heart. Like David was this, it was this boy who was anointed to become king. And then he, after he was anointed, he fought this giant. And after he fought this giant, he served under a mad king that liked to throw spears at him. Like there's all this craziness happening. And then David becomes king. And then if you read the Israelite tabloids, he was a part of this whole adultery thing. And then after that, like even still, God says he is a man after his own heart, right? And then we get to where we are now. And in Psalm 42, it's believed that it was written during the time where Absalom, his third son, had actually staged a coup, right? So David is king, Absalom is his son, and Absalom has recruited this army in secret against David. He staged a coup, and now he is revolting against David to the point where David is actually fleeing and going back into hiding. See, David was not a stranger to the valley. And in fact, when he was writing this in Psalm 42, he was in one of the biggest valleys he'd ever been in. His son, whom he loves, has betrayed him. And he's in the midst of a valley where he feels betrayed, abandoned, and left behind. And we're going to pick up in verse 1. Here's what it says. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for you, for, for my God, for the living God. When can I go meet with God? He says, man, my soul, Lord, it's panting for you. Like, I, I need you. Like, I know that I need you. I'm desperate for you. And that idea of like, like a deer pants for streams of water, that's not foreign to us either, right? Like, we've experienced that. You have, have you ever played, maybe it, was a, maybe it was a high school football game, or maybe you just ran in the Texas heat because that's, that's brutal, right? And, and you do that, and at the end of it, you're like, man, I need water. And you need water so bad that breathing becomes an obstacle, Right? So like you go through this process between drinking and drowning and drinking and drowning. Because you're like, man, I can't get it in fast enough. I'm so thirsty. You end up coughing up half the bottle. That's what David's talking about. He says, God, like, I am desperate for you. Like, I cannot get you in enough. Like, I need you so badly. When can I go meet with you? Because right now, like, I'm in the valley. Like I'm in the hard, I'm in the difficult, I'm in the challenge, and I know that if I'm in here, I need you. See, I think for many of us, especially for me, when I'm in the valley, I go to the armory, right? Like, there's a coup, all right, I'm going to get my soldiers. There's a coup, all right, I'm going to get on my chariot. I'm going to go to battle. If, if this area around me is not reliable, I'm going to rely on myself, because who has me better in mind? And that's not what David does. David doesn't go to the armory. David doesn't look for an exit. David says, God, like, first things first. I need you. First things first, God, like, I am desperate for a drink of, of who you are. Like, I need you in the valley. And the reason that, that David is able to do this is pretty simple. It's because in the valley, he still remembers who God is. Which is hard, right? Because when I'm in a valley, all I see is valley, right? Like there's not a great view from down there. And David says, no, no, no. I am going to remember who God is. But for us, it can be so easy to just get frustrated with who God is, right? Because 
It's easy to look around and say, okay, this is who you are and not the other way around. We need to remember that we have two choices. You can interpret who God is through your circumstances or you can interpret your circumstances through who God is. And we get this mixed up all the time. We say, hey, God, if you loved me, you'd fix this valley real quick. God, if you loved me, 2022 is not going to affect my 2023. In fact, 2023 is going to fix what happened that last year. We say, God, if you really cared about me, then this stuff would go away. And David's saying, no, 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 let's not forget. Like, it's not the valley who defines God. It's God who defines the valley. And so we're going to look at the valley. As we dive in today, guys, we're going to look at the valley through the lens of who Jesus is and what he says. Many of you know um, that me and my family, we've been in the adoption process, and I share this to share kind of where I'm coming from in this message. And so we've been in the process for a long time. Uh, back in May, our family was matched with a birth mom whose baby was due in November, and we were excited. Like, we were so pumped. Our community rallied around us. We started preparing the nursery, getting everything together. We put her, her name above the crib. We were good to go. We were ready. October came along, and I, st I started this thing called Baby Watch, where I was like, baby, you can come any minute, guys. Like, we don't know. And so I was just like getting so pumped up and amped up. I was doing laundry every other day, which is not my thing. Right? Like, like our bags were packed, ready to go in the office that we could get the phone call and we could leave on a moment's notice. Birth mom was supposed to, to fly to Utah where the baby was going to be born. That's where the agency is on November 4th, and so on November 4th, we're, we're praying, and we're getting excited, and some of you guys were praying with us and getting excited, and then we got a text message that said, hey, birth mom missed her flight, and so I reached out separately to our social worker, and I said, hey, should we be nervous? Should we be worried, or is this expected? She was honest with me. She said, probably both. A couple hours later, I got the phone call. The baby that we had prepared for and expected and prayed for was still going to be born. She just wasn't going to be ours. And I want to be really clear before I dive into a little bit more of this. This is not about birth mom. What birth mom decided to do was good and was God honoring and was God's design. But for us, it was incredibly painful. After I got the call, I had two hours to figure out a plan on how I was going to tell my bride and tell our daughter that our family wasn't going to look the way we thought it was. And as we kind of talked through it, that entire night, we just, we just held each other and we just cried. And honestly, we did that for the whole week and still, sometimes we have moments where we just break down. And I'm sharing this because this conversation, as I was like, God, like, what message am I supposed to bring? I feel like a message from the valley needed to be preached from the valley. Because my family, we're not out of it. This is the toughest thing that we've ever had to navigate. Christmas was really hard for us this year. A lot of things have been really hard for us. And that's okay. Like, it's okay to struggle, and we're going to see that with David. But the first step, and David says, man, like the first step is like, I got to get with God. Like, when can I get with him? 
So even as we were navigating this, Keith, uh, Keith Ford, he was over at our house. We were having dinner, and he was like, it's like a week later. He's like, dude, how are you and Jesus? And he knows that we're in the valley. Like, he knew. Like, how are you and Jesus? And I was honest with him. I was like, dude, I got to be honest. I'm avoiding him in my quiet time. Like, I don't want to sit down in his word. And he was like, okay, okay, why? And I was like, dude, here's the deal. I get that he's king. I trust him. I submit to his decision. I'm fine. Like, I'm, I'm okay with it, even though it costs my family tremendous hurt. He is king, and I'm submitted to him. I'm good with that. But right now, he is the last person I want to be comforted on this. Like, he's the last person. Like, the king that I submit to is the guy that I don't want to hug from. And Keith Ford did what Keith Ford does, right? Like, if you know him. And he goes, okay. Well, I'm going to challenge you. I want you to, what would it look like for you to start? To get back into it. So the next day, I sat down with God. And it was one of the most comforting and healing processes for me. I literally, I literally just sat down with Jesus and I just cried the whole time. <laughs> My wife checked on me. She's like, you okay? So I'm good, I'm good. It's me and Jesus. Like, get out of here. See, I, my, my soul was dehydrated, y'all. Like, like, I needed, I was thirsting for him, and I didn't even know until that water hit my lips, but I know that in the valley, it's easy to get confused. In the valley, for me, it was easy to get confused, but I needed my time with Jesus because I didn't need to walk the valley alone. There's enough valley walking by yourselves out there. You don't need to do that anymore. Not if you know him. You get to walk side by side with him. But he's going to make you invite him in. He's not going to impose himself on you. And when I did, it was incredibly healing. I'm not saying we're out of it. We're still in the valley. It's still hard. We just don't have to do it alone. This year for you may have been a huge valley. Like this year may have been one of the most challenging years of your lives. Like this year may have been filled with, with heartache and pain. And David's like, man, like my year, like look at my life. Like look at all the things I've had to navigate over and over again. God takes me from valley to valley to valley. And still David's like, but I am not going to forget who he is. I'm not going to allow my circumstances to tell me who he is. In fact, I'm going to do it the other way around. I'm going to look at my circumstances through he, who he is, and I'm going to drink up. If you're in the valley, step one, find time with Jesus. Get with him. Verse three, it continues. It says, my tears have been my food day and night while people say to me all day long, where is your God? I love the rawness in this. Like, there's this tendency in church world especially, but business world too, right? Of just like, man, I gotta, I gotta look good. I gotta play the part. I can't be messed up. I can't weep. I can't be broken. Because if I weep, that means I doubt. Which I know isn't true because Jesus weeped, wept. He did one of those things. Like weeping and doubting are not the same. And yet we, we tie them together and we say, I can't be broken. Like, I can't be messed up. It's the opposite of the gospel, but we say this to ourselves, that I have to look the part. Now that I know Jesus, I gotta, I gotta look right. It's not what Jesus says. It's not what David is modeling. He said, my, my tears are my food day and night. Like, this is all I got. Like, I am broken, Lord. I am messed up. I'm not denying that I'm in the valley. In fact, I'm acknowledging it right now. I just know that I can't do this alone. 
And I love the parallel here because there's, there's two questions in the first three uh, verses that come out. David says, hey, when can I get with the Lord? And the mockers who don't know Jesus, they say, where is your God? It's almost the same question, but with a very different heart. They're saying, man, like, like, how could you be in the valley right now if you're a follower of Christ? Like, how could you be going through the hard if he loved you so much? And David's like, no, 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 I'm not alone. I'm not alone. Like, I'm with him. See, part of being a parent, we're going to shift gears, I'm going to share the why. Like, part of being a parent is not about protecting your kid from everything. Parents, you know this. It's one of the hardest things we have to navigate, though, right? Because we don't want our kids to hurt. And at the same time, our job is not to fully, we keep them safe, but our job, our primary job is not just to protect them. Why? Because I need my daughter to know how to navigate pain. Because there's going to be a day at some point where she is going to be in the valley and mom and dad aren't going to be around. And what I don't want to happen is I don't want her to get in the valley and be like, okay, like, what is this? Like, why am I down here and why am I by myself? Why am I having to navigate this? No, I want her to look back at the other valleys and to be able to say, hold on. Like, I know what my parents did and I know what my God does and I know who he is and I know that I'm not alone. Even though I can't see him right now, even though it doesn't feel real right now, I know that I am with him. See, parents, like, our job isn't just to protect our kids. It's to go with them. And to remind them that they're loved and they're chosen. And that even in the valley, the valley is worked for good because God doesn't waste a valley. See, God being the intentional parent that he is, doesn't just protect us from valleys. He works in us through them. See, when, we, when we're squeezed, when pressure comes on us, we see what's going on on the inside, right? You take a lemon, you squeeze it, apply pressure, what comes out? Lemon juice, Right? With us, same thing. Like when I'm squeezed, when there's pressure all around me, what comes out? Well, first it's emotions, then it's behaviors. But eventually, if I'm squeezed long enough, it's my theology. It's my theology of do I start saying, hey, God, like if I am in this valley, you better get me out real quick. Like, God, if you love me, then I'm not going to valley walk anymore. Or is our response something different? Remember, like God's job isn't just to protect us, it's to walk alongside us and to work through the valley in our hearts. And it's a process. And it's painful. But here's why. Your best testimony isn't that your life is perfect and protected by God. And we confuse this. It's not that it's perfect and protected. That's why we button up and try to look right, especially in front of our unbelieving friends, right? Like, I can't struggle. It can't be hard because I'm walking with God. But that's not the point. And that's not your best testimony. Your best testimony isn't that your life is perfect and protected by God. Instead, it is the simple truth that when everything is lit on fire, you still know he is good. It's when they look at you and you're in the valley, when you're in the fire, they're like, hey, hold on. That guy went in alone, but he's not alone anymore. Hey, that guy is in that valley and he's so broken and yet somehow he's standing, but his legs, like he's not holding himself up. Somebody else is. Like he's got a community around him that is literally rallying around and they're not even taking the credit. They're giving it to some God that I don't know. Your best testimony isn't that you're protected. It's that while in the valley, you remember that God is good and that God loves you, and that he's here for you, even 
in the valley. Peter says it this way in 1 Peter 1.7. He says these, and he's speaking of sufferings, he says these sufferings have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. See, this statement isn't that, hey, you're not allowed to be broken. You're not allowed to like, really just struggle in the valley. It's not what it's saying. David is modeling this for us, that we can be broken. It's that in the brokenness, in the pain, in the suffering, in the long suffering sometimes, that we are still pointing to him because he is still holding us up. That we're not alone in the valley. That people, they're like, hey, where is your God? And you'd be like, don't you see him? He's the only reason that I can worship right now. Y'all, some of the best worship I have ever had was after I got the news that we weren't going to have our daughter. I don't want to do it again. <laughs> don't hear me. Don't hear what I'm not saying, but I have never felt so close to him. Like, who, who felt closer to Jesus than those two guys up there on the cross, especially the one that knew who he was and recognized who he was? And Jesus said, I'm going to see you in paradise, paradise soon. Like, who was closer than those people up there on the cross with them, going through it? Jesus says, I'm going to meet you in the valley. And in the valley, that's where your faith is going to grow. That's where it's going to be tested and the genuineness is going to be seen. We have to walk the valley. And God will not waste it. David continues he says, these things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I used to go to the house of God under the protection of the mighty one with shouts of joy and praise among the festive throng. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him. My Savior and my God, my soul is downcast within me. Therefore, I will remember you from the land of the Jordan, the heights of Hermon, the Mount of Mazar. David says, man, I am not going to allow these circumstances to tell me who God is. I'm not going to allow this valley to whisper lies. And that's the tough part about valleys because low ground is an easy target. Like the enemy loves to shoot his arrows at us and low ground is an easy target unless we're side by side with the king. And David's like, I'm not going to forget and so instead of walking and taking in the view of this valley right now, where all I see is valley, I'm going to do something else. I'm going to make a shift, and I'm going to remember. I'm going to remember. It's not about the betrayer. It's not about Absalom taking after me, or it's not about your situation or that loved one that you're stressing. Like, like it's not about those things. And listen, don't hear what I'm not saying. These things are important, and they're hard, and they're difficult. David's saying, but I'm not going to live in it. I'm going to choose to remember. And so I love this because we're talking about valleys, and, and David is like, I'm going to remember some mountains, all right? He said, I'm going to remember the land of Jordan. I'm going to remember the Mount, Her like Mount of Hermon. I'm going to remember Mount Mazar. I'm going to remember these places, and we don't know for sure what happened in those mountains. We don't know. He doesn't say it. But I think we can suspect that these mountains represent some sort of spiritual experience that he had, where he experienced deeper relationship with God, 
where he was like, okay, God, like, I get it now. Like, I'm with you now. I'm, I'm wrestling with you now. Like, I'm going to remember these moments. And each of us have them. We just tend to forget them in the valley. See, when I was in the valley, I had to intentionally remember some different things for myself of how good God is. I had to remember baptizing my wife in the Gulf of Mexico just for her to get out of the water and then to baptize somebody that she led to Christ immediately after. Like, I, I had to remember when we held our daughter for the first time and I looked into her eyes and I was like, God, this is just the best gift. I have to remember who I was before God because let's, let's be real. I'm incredibly lucky to have married my bride now. Who I was before didn't stand a chance. Like, I didn't, I didn't have a chance of being an intentional father, a good father, not without Jesus. Now, hear me, I still botch it all the time. But I didn't stand a chance before. See, I have to intentionally remember the mountains. And each of you, listen, if you've got a relationship with Jesus, you weren't brought there by accident. You were brought to a mountain where you experienced him, you experienced his goodness, and we need to intentionally remember those moments as we navigate the valley. What does it look like for you to remember where he has taken you? See, trust might be planted on the mountain, but it's grown in the valley. If you want to know the whole point of valleys, this is one of the big ones, not the only one, but one of the big ones. Trust might be founded, created, planted on the mountain, but it 